Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERA Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Many families can be caught off guard by the number of tasks that must be completed within a day or two of a loved one's death. Even those who have planned a funeral before may find themselves overwhelmed by the decisions that need to be made and details that must be coordinated. Today, my guest is Sarah Williams, president of the Funeral Consumers Alliance. She will talk about the array of goods, services, and logistics often included in a traditional funeral or memorial service, in addition to funeral costs and pricing. She'll also talk about the Funeral Consumers Alliance and how the organization helps ensure consumers are fully prepared and protected when planning a funeral for themselves or their loved ones. So welcome, Sarah, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It's a real honor. Well, Sarah, let's talk a little bit about funeral planning in general. When should funeral planning whether it's for yourself or a loved one, occur. Talk about the benefits of starting earlier rather than later, and also talk about budgets and what do we need to know? Well, absolutely. I love the message, plan, write, tell. Plan early, write it down, and tell your family and friends as early as possible. Because on the worst day of your life, at the death of a loved one, you don't want to encounter a big fat mess because you have never thought about it or spoken of plans. And if you plan early, you are able to think about your budget, have shopped around, and you won't have to overspend needlessly. And so to that point, then, talk a little bit about the budget. Is that an important aspect of the funeral planning? And and to that point, Sarah, there is a phrase that's called funerals are for the living. So I'm assuming that that's kind of a part of this whole process. So give us a little bit more of an overview about that planning process and what that involves. Well, I believe when we hear the phrase funerals are for the living, This is to help us with our grief, to give us closure. And because ceremony to me, and I think so many to so many of us, is critical. You would hate to think that because you had not thought these things out, and if you are using the services of a funeral home, that you're being pressured maybe to spend more to prove that you loved Aunt Bessie more. And I think I'll talk about this in more detail later, but this is the absolute benefit of having sort of laid out your cards on the table, planning ahead, thinking about these things. You know, we live in a society that kind of poo-poos the death topic. Oh, it's not when I'm going to die, if I die. And we have to stop avoiding this topic. We plan for our births, our marriages, our retirements, our weddings. And this is so important and something that, as you know, we are all going to have to go through. As I said, I'm really interested to 
find out, it, just as we plan for some of those other life events, is it important to establish a budget when planning a funeral? Yes, but for some people, this is going to be situational. Some people are going to continue to use the funeral home that their grandparents and their parents use. They have a familiarity with the people there and money won't matter. But for me, I'd like to tell people, if you're not familiar with funeral prices, this will be one of the main takeaways I give you today. The funeral rule of 1984 created and overseen by our Federal Trade Commission, which provides all sorts of rights for consumers. And so to have thought, well, am I going to want to spend the typical eight to $20,000? Or can I be a savvy shopper and know that some of these things I don't have to spend money on? And so I th- what I'm hearing you say is, is that individuals do have a right to a fair and affordable funeral. Is, is that true? Uh, and, and because I want to hear, why is it advisable for individuals to know their rights about a fair and affordable funeral? Well, for so long, many listeners will know about Jessica Mitford and her book in the 60s. This sort of propelled the Federal Trade Commission to set up this funeral rule. Um, For example, did you know that embalming is never required by law in any state? That you can purchase a casket at Costco or Walmart and the funeral home cannot charge a handling fee? That you don't have to buy bundled goods or services, but only what you need from a funeral home? And if you visit a funeral home, the first thing they should hand to you is their general price list. And if you call, they need to give you price information over the phone and not cajole you to have to come in in person. This funeral rule, I really suggest that all listeners, just by Googling the funeral rule of 1984, it might just really surprise them to know what their rights are as funeral consumers. And I also looked on the website of your organization, and we can talk more about that uh, in terms of other programs and services that your organization provides. But I noticed that there's a four-step process to this funeral planning uh, activity. And the first step is start your planning at home. And you've, you've mentioned a couple of issues already, whether it's the casket or uh, embalming. And as I said, we can talk a little bit more about that later. Are there other activities or issues that you want to talk about that need to be considered when you're starting your planning at home? So Help us understand a little bit more about that. And as importantly, who should be involved in that process? Well, let's say you did start the conversation and a daughter, an aunt, a parent is 
in total disagreement with your wishes. In this case, you are going to want to find someone outside of the family to serve as your healthcare power of attorney or your power of attorney. I often say if the wishes of the person who is developing this funeral plan and thinking ahead about their death, if there are disagreements, you need to get a bulldog to act on your behalf. And it's okay and permissible that this person is outside of the family. And what else? I mean, what else is involved? What are the other issues that that would be involved uh, as far as, uh, you know, starting your planning at home? I mean, do you make a list or how do you begin? What, what do our listeners need to know? Well, there are all sorts of things to consider. Are you thinking about burial, cremation? Perhaps you'd like to be a part of an anatomical donation program at a local medical school or university? What are the costs involved? Have you laid out a budget? You know, plenty of our grandparents used to just say, put me in an old pine box, and that was good enough for our ancestors. And this movement is actually coming around today, Cheryl. I want our listeners to know that there are only nine states in this country that require you to use the services of a licensed funeral director, which means you can act as your own funeral director. And if you want to maintain possession of your loved one's body in your home for a home funeral, you have the right to do that. Let me just quickly mention the nine states that do require the services of a licensed funeral director. And I have to say, it's for almost ridiculous reasons. They, they must help with the paperwork or witness the burial or cremation. Task that, for example, I can do here in North Carolina uh, myself. So those states are Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, Nebraska, New Jersey, and New York. And again, you will have to use the services of a profession of a licensed funeral director to help you with paperwork or because your state requires them to witness the burial or cremation. So as you're beginning to think about what your options are, because I, I uh, again, on your website, the second point was exploring your options. And I think you're mentioning some of these already, like cremation versus burial or casket or whatever. But kind of give us, is there a checklist that people can begin to look at? And I'm also wondering if as part of this are consumers often confused about what they can and can't do when planning a funeral? You're mentioning already that some people could be their own funeral director, but give us more of an overview of exploring your options and what that means. 
I think consumers are so often confused about what they can and cannot do when planning a funeral. Because Cheryl, we handed over our rights to do this over 150 years ago when the funeral industry grew after the Civil War. So we have sort of taken ourselves away from the whole process of death and dying. Now, I'm a baby boomer, and you know, we're the generation that got married on the beach and had our babies at home, and now we're like, okay, I'm mortal, and I have to think about how I want to die, and am I thinking about the environment? What do my cultural or spiritual traditions tell me um, to help me during this time? So you have many, many options. Uh, And there are many resources to help you think about these things. Even uh, let me tell you about Funeral Consumers Alliance. Our website is funerals.org. If you go to our website and find out you don't have an affiliate in your state, well, please start one. (laughs) We are... Currently, I think we have somewhere between 50 and 60 affiliates, and we are working on developing and and improving our website. But we have a web, we have a resource that we call, it's a little booklet called Before I Go, You Should Know. And it's a really handy workbook and can be ordered, or if you have an affiliate nearby, they will be able to provide that for you. Okay, well, um, that's good to know, and we've got that address now. So I'm assuming that that um, with respect to the, the website and this booklet that you're talking about, it does address some of these issues that we've mentioned briefly. So Let's let's just focus on a few of them. One of them is cremation versus burial. What's involved in deciding which of these might be preferable for the family or even for the person thinking about his or her own death? Right. Well, a lot of people say, oh, just cremate me. It's simple. Yes, it's also really, really bad for our environment. I don't, I'm not going to take up a lot of time by going through the emissions, the particulates that go into our atmosphere, the carbon footprint of cremation. Traditional, conventional burial is also pretty bad and hard on our environment with embalming fluid, the vaults, the whether that's cement or another material, the caskets. I had a friend who said, my grandparents got buried in better furniture than they lived in. So now people are thinking ahead and and realizing that a green or natural burial is a choice. So please look around where you live and see if you have a space where you could be buried naturally or green. 
And that means no embalming and a container that is impervious, no impervious containers and no vault that you, you really are going back to the earth. So it sounds like you want people to think about neither cremation or burial, but something uh, in between in terms of more environmentally friendly burial. Is, is that correct? I want them to be aware that there is another choice. Okay. And one thing I also was wondering is, is that uh, on certain people decide that they want to be an organ donor. And what what's involved in that process, say, if a person passes away and on their driver's license they have that, that they choose to be an organ donor? Is that a special situation? And how would that be handled? Well, if it is on their driver's license, the medical personnel attending to the body at death will do the arrangements. And the donor facility should be called the medical personnel should know how to do this. The family would tell the medical personnel, Aunt Bessie was an organ donor or a skin donor. You know, there's various ways to donate. I know that you've said that maybe a a natural uh, burial is better, but some people are going to choose to select a casket Let's talk about that. What do people need to know about selecting a a casket in terms of materials or cost? Uh, And then as part of that conversation, what are issues pertaining to a closed or an open casket? What, What do people need to know or what should they think about? Cheryl, I do not want to be interpreted as Judgy Sarah. Judgy Sarah told us we needed to do a green or natural burial. Always, whatever you choose, your your method of final disposition is totally personal. I, I want to say that again. Your The method you choose for your final body disposition is up to you. I'm just wanting all of our listeners to know you do have a choice. And many people don't even know that green and natural burial is one of the choices. So, You want to select a casket. I want people to know there are all types of caskets and they can be purchased outside of the funeral home. Many listeners may have seen CBS Sunday morning a few weeks ago when they spotlighted Titan Casket. Whatever casket is available at your local funeral home, Titan Casket is able to get that to you or the funeral home for a lot less money. Just like you can buy caskets at Walmart or Costco, or maybe you built your own pine box. Again, the funeral home has to accept what you choose and they cannot charge you a handling fee. A closed casket or an open casket, that's gonna be the preference of the family. What I don't want to happen to families is to be told by a funeral home that Aunt Bessie must be embalmed if you're going to open that casket. That's not true. They could refrigerate the body before the viewing. Again, this is just one of those little things that I want our listeners to be savvy about and 
check out all their rites. A memorial service means that the body is not present, whereas a funeral means the body is there, either in a whether that is a body in a casket or the cremains in an urn. In terms of the casket, I guess I just wanted to have our listeners understand is usually some kind of a price list then given depending on the materials and do would it be a good idea once a person got the price list, especially if they are planning in advance, to maybe check with your organization to see, is this about right? Is this outrageous? Uh, what do people need to know about the price list in terms of whether they, again, as part of their budget and whether they can afford it? I love this question. This is another great takeaway, Cheryl. You know, you should shop around. Just don't think I've got to use mom and dad's funeral home. How do you buy a car or a refrigerator or even a house? You shop around, and my guess is that you shop online. Well, it's not so easy when you're doing this for funerals. Did you think you could just click on the funeral home's website and presto magic that price list would appear, that's not the case. Usually, the, the, the tactic, the, what happens is that the funeral home is going to encourage you to come in, to sit with them in the arrangement room. But we want consumers to be able to see these prices ahead of time and be found easily on the funeral home's website, just like you would find prices for those other goods that I mentioned. This is the another major takeaway. When the funeral rule was written in 1984, there was no internet. Now, in 2023, the Federal Trade Commission is more than likely going to update the funeral rule to require all funeral homes to put those price lists on their website and in an easy place so that shoppers can do their homework before the death occurs. And I want the listeners to know that a couple of weeks ago, on September 7th, in Washington, D.C., the FTC hosted a five-panel workshop where funeral directors and consumers were present to voice their concerns about this very subject matter. And now they have asked consumers around the country what do you feel about this? What are your comments? So I would like your listeners to write comments and we will tell you the Funeral Consumers Alliance is going to have a town hall on October 2nd and we're going to talk about this very important activity for your listeners that they can write comments to the Federal Trade Commission because 
The lines of communication are open until October 10th to hear comments from the public. Okay. Well, and since this broadcast is uh, on uh, October 3rd, even though the panel will have occurred, they'll still have an opportunity to um, provide comments. So this is a good time to uh, take a short break. We are talking about funeral planning today and what's involved in the process. We're talking with Sarah Williams, who's the president of the Funeral Consumers Alliance. And you're listening to WERA Arlington, 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Our topic today is about funeral planning, and we're talking with Sarah Williams, who is the president of the Funeral Consumers Alliance. First half, we talked a lot about things that we need to think about in terms of this important, timely topic sometimes and when for families. And Sarah has covered a lot of information already, but Let's go on to something that you've mentioned already, Sarah, and that's about shopping around and specifically selecting a funeral home is what I'd like to talk about. What criteria shouldn't our listeners use to select a funeral home? Is saving money the most important thing to consider? Are there other factors that um, uh, folks want to talk about maybe even before they go and talk with a funeral director? What do we need to know? Thank you, Cheryl. The first thing I want to say is that many people might think Funeral Consumers Alliance is anti-funeral home, and that's not true. We are just pro-consumer, and we want all consumers around the country who are potentially going to use a funeral home to know their rights and be savvy shoppers. If you're going to visit a funeral home, it'd be a great idea to take someone with you to help you listen. Don't wait until the death occurs to suddenly realize, oops, I never thought about this. Do I have enough money? Can I shop online for the services I need? If you think and plan ahead, have your budget Know what you want. Are you going to go for burial or cremation? Or have you thought about a newer option like natural or green burial? It's so advisable. And this should be one of the main takeaways from the program today. Plan ahead so that you don't have to overspend needlessly. Many of us do a lot of shopping online when we are buying cars, refrigerators, a stove. And if you think that funeral homes have easily 
displayable prices, you might be shocked to find out that if you go to their website, you can't find a price list. So it's very advisable to shop around ahead of time. You're going to pick up a vibe from a funeral home. Did I like the feeling? Did they answer my questions? Was the first thing they gave me when I walked into the funeral home a general price list so that I can sit with it? Maybe I want to go to another funeral home. I want to see the difference in prices because you will be perhaps shocked to find out that for the same service, Funeral homes, even in the same city, will charge thousands of dollars more or less. I'm wondering also if, again, when the family is meeting with the funeral director, the the kind of questions, and we've talked a lot already about price lists and caskets or, or the funeral the costs generally for the items. But I was wondering if part of the questions should also relate to the the, the service itself. Um, if someone is going to have a viewing versus not having a viewing, is it going to be at a church or a, a some other kind of faith community versus at the funeral home? What about the transportation? Uh, are those all questions that are available that people can ask, I mean, again, just kind of going through the whole process itself. Are those questions that also people need to ask when they're meeting with the funeral director? Certainly. And every funeral or memorial service is going to be situational and preference of the family. When you are presented with the general price list, all these things are laid out. But Sometimes the language is confusing, and so that's why it's good to have someone with you and to have done this ahead of time. Perhaps, you know, you don't understand um, that embalming is not required, and the funeral director may tell you, well, you want to have a viewing here, and we advise that you have the body embalmed. We want you to know that refrigeration is possible. And so that embalming is a fee and will cost you and is not necessary. Little things like that. As I said, Sarah, in terms of do funeral homes then have interactions with the faith community or, you know, depending on what kind of a service it's going to be and and these other activities. Is that part of what people should know about? Is this part of what the Funeral Consumers Alliance also provides information about so that people kind of have the whole picture of what happens and not only at the funeral home itself, but then going out to the cemetery if that is appropriate Give us more of an overview of of what the whole funeral planning might be. Well, one thing to know, of course, a funeral home will work with a faith community. I mean, they've been doing this for hundreds of years. 
you can basically, if you can't get what you and your family want, you need to find another funeral home. Let me also say that in only nine states are you required to use the services of a licensed funeral director. Yes, that means there are people out there who serve as home funeral guides and can help you keep the body at home cooled until final disposition, which is usually a green or natural burial. Speaking of cemetery services and prices, cemeteries set their own rules and regulations, and they are unregulated for the most part. But if you are using a funeral home, they are able to work with the cemetery to ensure that you get the service that you want. Okay. And I just was wanting to, before we we talk more about just kind of the final plans and, and what we should do about that, I was wondering if as part of your services or the services of the Funeral Consumers Alliance, have people been in touch about filing complaints about funeral homes? Uh, is this a process that's pretty lengthy? Does the Funeral Consumers Alliance provide any assistance in that if there is a complaint about, um, say, false advertising or no advertising? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I believe that's why this organization was begun back in the 30s. It started out with memorial societies coming together and then grew in the 60s to like 70 affiliates across the country. Some of the complaints that the Funeral Consumers Alliance has received deal with the funeral home pushing or forcing buyers to buy packages that they don't really need, you know, bundling services when basically all this family may have needed is cold storage for the body. Funeral homes have mixed up bodies. I know we've all seen these horror stories in the news or insisting that they the body has to be embalmed. I want to back up for a minute because we touched on interaction with the funeral home if the family is deciding to use a funeral home. And the question also often comes up, do I need to prepay? The Funeral Consumers Alliance will advise you to pre-plan, but not to prepay because so many things can change over time. Maybe the funeral home will go out of business. Maybe you're pre-paying the goods and services you are purchasing. The price may go down. Maybe they're not transferable to another funeral home if you move. So what we like to say is pre-plan, don't prepay. Plan what you want, write it down, and tell your family and friends, these are my wishes. Know about the funeral rule of 1984, 
which gives you so many rights as a funeral consumer. We might also suggest a Totten Trust or a payable on death account at your local bank. This means you have a beneficiary and at the event of your death, that money reverts to the beneficiary and you have it right there to use for funeral cost. And in the meantime, while you've set this little account up, you gain a little bit of interest. Well, that's very good advice in terms of, of because I know that lots of folks have heard about prepaying and uh, letting us know about that is, is really important. And, and thank you also for talking about putting the plans in writing. I would ask one small question. Um, where should these plans be kept in the house? Uh, someplace where people can find them or what do you suggest? Oh, absolutely. And everybody with the family and even your friends can be involved with your funeral plans. Be sure they are in writing. Don't keep them in the safety deposit box. Put them in a place where they can be easily found. Today, we have these beautiful folders that have accordion files. You can easily set out, here is my will. Here is my health care power of attorney. Here is my power of attorney. Here are my advanced directives. And you keep them out. Uh, My box says the death file. And it's kind of a talking point when guests come over because they know exactly what I want, where the papers are. Again, don't keep them in a safety deposit box, which isn't going to be opened till long after you're dead, and people won't know what you want. What you just said reminds me of of another possibility that can occur. What happens if the deceased and, and what they have decided differs uh, and and the plan that they've laid out differs from the family, family members uh, who may still be alive. Are, are there legal rights and issues? Is somebody who might be aware of, of this difference uh, between what the deceased wants versus the family? Are there any legal rights or issues that need to be resolved if that's the, the case? Well, yes, of course, because... This is the beauty of planning ahead. You might find out that your daughter or your mother are in total disagreement with what you wish for your final disposition. And so this, you should look outside the family, get a bulldog, literally, to be your power of attorney or your healthcare power of attorney. Because in the end, who you have designated will have the final say. And they must be, your your wishes must be abided by. So it's so important to choose a person who has your back and will defend you and what you wished at your death. It is so important 
to choose someone who will have your back when you die to make sure that your final wishes are all fulfilled. Okay, well, this is why we're having this program today. I wanted to turn to another aspect. Uh, We've talked so much about the person who has uh, passed away and um, why the funeral planning is important. But I was wondering if your organization or there are maybe groups out there that help the grieving family member or friend. This is an important aspect of of this whole process that, that goes on. And I'm wondering if you offer any advice in that regard. Grief is the process of a lifetime and no two people's grief is going to look alike. If I'm offering advice from my heart, the best advice is to just be there and listen to the person who is grieving. You may need to reach out and find a local grief support group. You may ask a chaplain or a social worker through hospice, your local hospice, who often have wonderful programs, especially when children die, to help them get through the grief process. But there are multiple ways for us as humans to help each other through the grief process. And again, just being there and listening to the person who is grieving. Sarah, I also wanted to ask a question about, uh, we've been talking a lot about costs and possible costs, and uh, there may not be no costs, but, but if a family does choose that they do want to have a funeral, that might involve some costs, as it were. Are there options that a family can choose or find ways of resources uh, to at least have some kind of a funeral service for their, their loved one? Funeral poverty in this country is a real issue. Every week, the Funeral Consumers Alliance whether that is a local affiliate or our national office, receives calls or emails from people who have no money for a funeral. They would like to bury or have Aunt Bessie cremated and they have no money. This is such an important mission for us at the Funeral Consumers Alliance because everyone is entitled to a meaningful, dignified, affordable funeral. And unfortunately, as an educational nonprofit, we have no funds, so we depend on donations from our supporters and members just to keep our programs, our educational programs and our website up so that we can keep pounding home the message, please plan early Think about your death and what budget you have so that you are not left with a big fat mess when Aunt Bessie dies. Now, one option, which is basically free in most places, is anatomical donation. 
that means you will gift or bequeath your body to a medical school or a local health institution, and you then become a silent teacher for future health personnel, doctors, nurses, occupational and physical therapists who rely on the study of human anatomy every day while they're in school. The only caveat I want to mention for anatomical donation is that you must have a plan B in place. When Aunt Bessie dies and you notify the medical institution of her death, you may be told, oops, we have an overabundance of bodies right now, or oops, Aunt Bessie had a disease at the end, which we're not prepared to deal with, or she was too thin or perhaps too obese. And those are real conditions that the medical institution can't deal with. So have a backup plan uh, if you are thinking about anatomical donation. Okay. Well, we're getting close to the end of the interview. I just wanted to hear any further comments about the Funeral Consumers Alliance. You've given a lot of information about your organization already and how it got started and the mission. But I was wondering if you could share any other services that the Consumer Alliance uh, provides. And you mentioned something about education and any other programs. And, and of course, how can families access this resource and any other resources about funeral planning? Certainly. Again, the website for Funeral Consumers Alliance is funerals.org. And if you don't have an affiliate near you, please start one. We'd love to have you working with us on our important mission to make sure everyone has a right uh, and the ability to choose a meaningful, dignified, and affordable funeral. I also want listeners to know that after the Federal Trade Commission's workshop in D.C. on September 7th, they are about to update the funeral rule of 1984, which will require all funeral homes to post their prices online in an easy-to-find format. And the Funeral Consumers Alliance is hosting a town hall via Zoom on October 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time to help you be able to share your comments with the Federal Trade Commission, who's keeping their lines open until October 10th. So I will be sure that you have that information through Cheryl to uh, come to our town hall on the 2nd. Any final comments, Sarah? I want to thank you so much, Cheryl, for this opportunity to talk about funeral planning with the public. I think my main takeaway is to please, please, please 
think about your mortality, plan ahead, think about your budget so that on the worst day of your life or someone else's life, you're not left with a big fat mess scrambling around trying to figure out what your loved one would have wanted. We have to face our mortality. It's just a part of living. And I'd like to invite everyone to visit Funeral Consumers Alliance website at funerals.org and see how you might like to get involved. Okay. Well, I want to thank Sarah Williams, president of the Funeral Consumers Alliance, for joining me today. And to learn more about Aging Matters, you can visit our website, which is agingmattersonline.com. And if you log on to this site, of course, you will be able to access all of the Aging Matters radio programs, the TV show content, uh, the episodes that we've produced. And of course, you can also log on to the Aging Matters podcast. The programs are posted there on Apple and on Spotify. So be sure to check out that website. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media. And we thank Ink Mouth Media for joining us each week uh, to produce this show. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters today. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. Bye.